Welcome to Film Buddies with Tuesday and Amanda's back as a co-host for this episode on Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. So welcome back. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and we are friends and we're going to be talking about, about two icons who are also friends, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, who met in the 1970s and like 50 years later, they're still really good friends. So that's inspiring and nice to see. Especially in Hollywood, where you constantly hear that women hate each other and they're so catty and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, no, these two just like sitting down and watching an interview with them is just amazing because they they've definitely been friends forever. They they complete each other's sentences. They pause for each other's jokes. They've got. Yeah, they've got a very comfortable humor with each other, and I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I they their commercials are their commercials. Their interviews are are so much fun to watch. Like I I will go down the rabbit hole on YouTube just cracking up. Oh yeah, they're such goofballs together. Uh huh. Which I think is also nice to see because they're older. Like it's not like they're in their twenties and they're silly. Like they're right in their 70s 80s 80s. yeah 80s yeah being silly yeah i I was i was actually shocked when i found out that lily tomlin's 80 and jane fonda is like 81 82 something like that yeah i think she i think they make that joke a lot that jane fonda's a year older yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's so funny because um Jane Fonda, like, to me, is one of two things, either the activist or the fitness guru. So being able to see that she has a sense of humor on par with Lindley Tomlin is just awesome. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it is funny that, like, Jane Fonda's had a lot of career iterations, and Lily Tomlin's always kind of been, like, comedy indie sweetheart. Right. So, yeah, it's interesting that they're, they're, like, friends when they're kind of on different, I guess, levels, so to speak, of, of like, the Hollywood hierarchy. Right. So. But it also kind of, it also kind of proves in a way that Hollywood really kind of creates these personas and then, like, more into today's day and age, particularly, especially now with corona and people talking about, like, people celebrities talking from their homes and being a lot less a lot more vulnerable I think a lot less um uh like fitting into the mold um I I think that all of that sort of breaking down to a certain extent and uh celebrities aren't as much controlled by the studios as they are like developing their own personas and and you know mm-hmm. their their brand i think it, it also has to do with like celebrity cultures being because what we're seeing from celebrities right now is so annoying it's like celeb cultures losing some of the praise it's had for so long because we see like can you not sing a song and expect that like that's how you contribute to problem solving when we know you make millions so you should just like open up your wallet and contribute to those in need right yeah so i think like there's a lot happening that celebs are like oh shoot (laughs) (laughs) we gotta participate or we're gonna look bad 
Right. All right. You want to start with the background on Jane Fonda or Lily Tomlin? Um, you know, I think I actually start with Lily Tomlin just because, honestly, it feels like there's almost less that I know about her. And I think that that's like of her choice. And I find that more interesting than anything else. Yeah, totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing the research and like, it's so easy to find all kinds of stuff about Jane Fonda. Like she has, she she's just like very open about herself. She's got at least one book about her life, and then Lily Tomlin's is much more. Uh, she she keeps things closer to the chest. Yeah, which um, for someone who's so funny, I think I don't really expect that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. One of the things that I found fascinating um, when I was kind of diving in a little bit, um, because I've never seen Grace and Frankie before now, um, I was kind of going down that rabbit hole of interviews and things. And one of the most interesting ones um, for me was because I didn't actually know she was gay until the Kennedy Center Honors. Um, uh, so th- I th- I thought that that was her coming out kind of thing. And in an interview that I was watching on the Ellen show with, uh, you know, between Lily and Jane, um, uh, Ellen actually mentioned that at one point in the nineties, time magazine actually approached her and asked her if she wanted to be on the cover of the magazine as coming out. And she had this whole conversation with herself. Um, and the way that she phrased it was, I fell on the side of, uh, I don't want to play your game, which I thought was really kind of cool. I mean, she's had this part, the same partner for 50 years and she never, it doesn't appear that she ever really hit it. It was more like the publicity machine, like covering it up. Um, But she also didn't actively put it out there for people to manipulate and to use for their own advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In one of the interviews uh, I read, she said, um, like she she would talk about her partner who's also whose name is Jane and then sometimes in the article they'd put it as like Lily's collaborator instead of right? like her partner so i thought yeah. of course that's how media is like oh we don't know what society thinks yet so so we're going to play it way safe even though Lily doesn't care right yeah yeah um which is also it's interesting that she doesn't care or I guess it's really good that she doesn't because she was born in 1939 in the Midwest. And the Midwest is not particularly known as being, like, very accepting, especially pre-2000s. So right. I, th- I think that's really interesting. Like, her father is blue-collar factory worker. Her mother nurses aide. So she had a very stereotypical upbringing. Like, my family still lives in the Midwest, and they still work for factories. Like, it's very <laughs> stereotypical. Um and her and I even attended the same college, Wayne State University, for a short period of time. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> I could have been Lily. <laughs> yeah. Except less funny, so it wouldn't quite have worked out. But I kind of wonder if that... Um if some of that accounts for the different differences in the way that um, both she and Jane approach the media, because Jane was born to uh, a famous father. So I I kind of, 
like I feel like she was probably raised a little bit more with that media savvy, whereas you know, Lily is probably a little bit more like, well, I know what my family back home's gonna say, so I'm just not gonna touch this one kind of thing. Yeah, it could be. And I I feel like um it wouldn't make sense if your life from its conception, you've been in the media like Jane Fonda, so that it's not as if, like, you're well aware of what the machine can do, I guess, positive and negative, like you're saying. Right. And, yeah, for Lily, whether or not she cares what her family back home thought or if she's just like... That's true. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know, you know, really how they'll manipulate this, so let's just keep it cool. Right, yeah. I don't know. But she began, um, she started, she started with studying biology, which I think, did you do anything before you went to arts? What was your collegiate pursuit? Um, actually, I, when I originally graduated high school, I wanted to, um, be an actress, but I thought that I would go to school for costume design so that Mm -hmm. I could still be in movies if I wasn't an actress kind of thing, um. And then, funnily enough, I still ended up doing that with writing. So yeah, <laughs> now I just get to, you know, act in my bedroom and to write it all down. So <laughs> yeah, I went for I started with music business and then I was like, oh, I'll do psychology. And then, you know, years later, I was like, oh, actually, I'll do film. It was a little detour to get where I ended up. Yeah, that's a fun detour. Um, So Lily was studying biology, and then she was interested in acting or performing, so she started doing stand-up in Detroit nightclubs, and then moved to New York City and performed in nightclubs in the great New York City, mm-hmm. um, and continued taking acting courses at HB Studio, and which is in Greenwich Village, and it is a studio I've looked at for taking classes in the industry, so I was like, oh, well, there's a lot of like long-standing institutions still, well... I mean, after Corona, I don't know that they'll still be standing, but right. pre-Corona they were. Hopefully they are able to recover after, but mm-hmm. it's, it's neat when you can, like, see what famous people, I guess, celebs, like, where, where they hone their, hone their skills and to be like, oh, yeah, I've been there, or, like, it still exists and I can check it out. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Did you watch any I- of the Merv Griffin show? Oh, I actually used to watch that as a kid. <laughs> like there I used to watch the reruns with my mom. <laughs> really? Yes. Did you ever see her on it? Oh god, yes. Like my favorite, like even um like there's this kind of ongoing joke with my family. Uh so the and I cannot remember her character's name, but the um the telephone operator, the mm-hmm. one ringy dingy. <laughs> Um, there was one point where I, um, had a job where I was, um, working as a, like, as, um, for an answering service working from home and I was staying with my parents for um, a holiday and my stepdad comes down uh, the stairs and watches me like answer a phone call and he starts doing that like in the background one ringy dingy (laughs) so now that kind of thing just kind of plays in my head when I'm when I'm answering phone calls (laughs) I don't know that I've 
ever seen the Merv Griffin show, but I did watch the Ed Sullivan show a whole lot. I don't think she was ever on that, but that was like, I'd watch those reruns reruns as a kid. Oh, you know what? I think I'm sorry. I am actually a confusing Merv Griffin show and laughing. Oh yeah. 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 So she, her first appearance, I think on television was the Merv Griffin show. And then a few years later, she joined Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In, which is like, I don't think we have any anything currently on TV that's like those shows from the 60s and 70s that were variety shows. Not now really, like, no. Yeah. Because now it's like late night with some games and performances, but it's not quite like, here's a sketch. Right. Because well, they talk about news and stuff, I guess. So otherwise, it'd be like, here's a sketch, here's a performance, it's kind yeah. of performance. Maybe maybe that's something we should bring back. Yeah, I think the only thing close would be Saturday Night Live, but it's still not the same quite the same right. kind of thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely agree. It should be brought back because yeah. like Laughing yeah. was there's actually a documentary on Netflix or, or not even a documentary. It's more um, like they brought all the people back um, and then had a bunch of guest appearances and um, talked a little bit about the show. Uh, but uh, yeah, like the, they addressed a lot of social issues in comedy Um and like I said, the only comparison that we have nowadays is Saturday Night Live. And even that can be remarkably, like, mm-hmm. dulled down. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and it seems like they, they often do a lot of the same type of sketches, which I guess they did in the older shows, too. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be nice to see, like, more of a goofy variety show. Right. Yeah. <laughs> With up-and-coming talent, you know? Yep. <laughs> um, so she was with Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In. She joined halfway through the third season and stayed with the show to the sixth and final season. And you can watch it on Hulu right now with Prime, which is kind of cool. She's like, go back in time. <laughs> and she also made her feature film debut in Robert altman's nashville which came out in 1975 and was nominated for an academy award even though it was her first film role which i thought was cool like yeah first feature your first nomination she didn't win but still it's cool just to be nominated right especially like what is essentially out of the gate i mean nowadays the way that production is done tv and film are pretty much on par but you know back in the day they were very two two very different styles of acting so yeah especially just doing like sketch performance on television versus more of a dramatic or comedic film performance yeah it's cool she also recorded a few comedy albums in the 1970s and had a one-woman broadway show called appearing nightly in 1977 it seems like she's kind of did, like, done one Broadway show per decade. Not quite. But it's like she does one in 1977, then one in 1985. Like, there's there's a gap in between while yeah. she works on other things. Yeah. It seems like she yeah. kind of, like, she'll fall back a little bit on, on theater and Broadway just to <clears throat> kind of keep that sharp, maybe. Um, but... Yeah, she really does seem to explore the types of acting that that she does, mm-hmm. which is really cool. <laughs> yeah, I think it's also like her partner, Jane 
writes seems to write more for the stage and then she'll perform those on the stage and then sometimes those get turned into films or or other projects but she's so close to getting the egot she just needs an oscar yeah (laughs) (laughs) honorary oscar come on yeah (laughs) although some people don't count them as having egots because it's like you're you're oscar's honorary it's not totally legit yet. <laughs> I looked up a list of like people that have them, and it's like, well, here's the 15 people that have them, and then 22 people that almost have them, because it's like an honorary <laughs> Oscar or an honorary Emmy or whatever. I thought it was funny. There's a lot of people who are almost there. <laughs> but, oh, what really blew my mind was that she was Miss Frizzle for three seasons of The Magic School Bus, in the 90s, which means I'm sure I heard her and watched her as Miss Frizzle and had no idea. So then I, I read that while I was doing this research and was like, oh, my gosh, she's like one of my favorite characters from my childhood. <laughs> I, lost, I lost my mind. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I love the Magic School Bus. <laughs> Educational cartoon. Like, I'm all about it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we mentioned that she's been with her partner since the 70s, Jane Wagner, and they weren't married until 2013, mm-hmm. despite being together for such a long time. And right. she really does like keep her private life private, which is, if that's something that you're interested in doing, like that's, hey, she's doing really great work at like not airing anybody's drama, despite probably having plenty, you know, mm-hmm. just like. I don't care to be that level of famous, maybe, is her, I don't know, attitude about it, but I respect it. Or even just kind of disregard of fame. Like, it's just not a thing in her life that she needs to chase. Yep. Which brings us to Jane Fonda. (laughs) (laughs) As far as segues go, you know, that wasn't maybe the best one, but... But yeah, Jane Fonda was born two years before Lily Tomlin in 1937 to famous actor Henry Fonda and her mother, Frances Ford Seymour. And I don't know, maybe younger people don't totally know about Henry Ford. So he's like an actor from 12 Angry Men and How the West Was Won, more popular in the 50s and 60s. And then Jane Fonda wanted to give him an opportunity to win an Oscar, so she... She um, bought the rights for on Golden Pond and so that she could cast him in it, mm-hmm. which I think is like for someone that has had such a difficult and public relationship with her father, I thought like that was a really nice thing, a nice gesture for her to do. Like, you know, I, right. I think this is a role perfect for you. And then he did win the Academy Award for it. I was like, yeah. And I think that was, yeah, if I remember right, that was one of his last roles before he passed away, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. She has a tendency to do that. Like, looking at her filmography, she has a tendency to, um, like, produce her own projects so they fit with whatever goals she has. Yeah. It's pretty interesting, or, like, things that she wants to bring awareness to. It's like, well, all right, I'm going to buy the rights for this project and produce it, and and hopefully more people become aware, which is a great way to use your celebrity if you have 
you know, like a social goal. Right. That's cool. Um, there's not so much known about her mother except some dramatic things. Like Wikipedia says her mother's just a socialite, which is like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> what does that mean? Right. <laughs> Besides, like, she's raised, I guess, with money. So I don't know. But she also um, committed suicide after she turned 42. Jane was only 12. So that that I think would be really hard, especially when your life is so public to right. be like, oh, well, okay, here's something else that everyone's going to know about and ask me about and bring up fresh trauma. Yeah. And I mean, really, in that time frame, they would have handled it differently. They, you know, there's a good chance that it wasn't widely known that she committed suicide until much later. Yeah, I don't quite remember what it was, but I, there's a podcast called You Must Remember This, which is about like certain uh, individuals or eras of film history. And they, they talked about, like, this uh, situation and how her... I think it was, like, her father didn't actually tell her what had happened until a few years later. I didn't fact check that, so... I, and I could be misremembering. <laughs> right. But I from what I recall, there's, like, some level of deception, which, you know, makes it even harder when you do find out the truth. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's, you know, often the way these things are handled with children is like mm -hmm. the assumption is made that children can't handle it or they're not going to understand it. So they lie about it and then it just ends up being harder later. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, especially like that would have been around 1950. So that would would be hard, like social society structured in a different way 70 years ago. Right. Yeah. Um, but Jane became interested in acting early on, which I think you would expect when you see your your dad's a big star. Like, oh, yeah, I would like that also. Right. Um, so she she went to Paris to study art and then came back to the States and went to the Actors Studio. And the Actors Studio is still a big deal today, but oh, it yeah. has tons of, like, famous high-tier actors like Dustin Hoffman and Beatrice Arthur from Golden Girls. That was fun to find out. Um, and also like Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. So. And even even goes into like more, you know, modern day ones like um, uh, Bradley Cooper. Um, you know, like it's still around and it's still a huge deal to get act, um, get accepted into the program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah, so she, in the 1960s, she was in 18 films and, like, continued acting through the 70s and 80s. And then in the 1990s, Jane was like, all right, I'm retiring, which we know <laughs> celebrities do that all the time. And then give them a couple right. of years and they and they make their comeback. Like, Cher's had her retirement tour or her final Six tour. Six or seven like, times. Yeah. <laughs> so many times. So... I'm sure there are lots of people who are like, all right, yeah, okay, you're retiring, Jane. We, we, we'll see, you in, see a in a couple years. of years, yeah. yeah. Yep, and then in 2005, she was in Monster-in-Law with um, Jennifer Lopez, Yeah. which I like that movie. I'd probably still like it if I watched it. 
And then she also went back to Broadway. Like she, she fully came back. Movies, Broadway, television with this Netflix series, Grace and Frankie. So, right. Her resurgent, resurgence was grand. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, kind of going into her production company, um, there is one thing that I found I find kind of odd. And looking over some of your research, it wasn't stuff that I came across. Um, the the fitness videos, yeah, seemed so weird to me because, um, like. I'm a child of the 80s, so that, like, her fitness video was, like, everywhere. My mom, who swears up and down that she doesn't like Jane Fonda, had that fitness video. And it never seemed quite in line with the activism that she's always done. So finding out that she did that specifically to fund her then husband's political campaign, it just is like the best thing ever. Like, yeah. It's like, she's like, I, I think it um was the guy that she was working with or like who was her trainer or whatever. was like, yeah, we could probably make money off this. He was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, and it has become, I think it's still one of the, like, top five highest sold workout videos, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think, like, 40 yeah. years later, we're still into the unitard <laughs> home aerobics, you know? Right, yeah. Or leotard? I remember having a Barbie with the exact same, like, Jane Fonda outfit. Like, the workout Barbie had the Jane Fonda outfit. (laughs) That's nice. I like that. But, yeah, isn't it kind of interesting that, like, she has her own production company, but the production company wasn't what produced her workout videos? Like, Mm -hmm. she. I think there's also some things where she's produced films... That she didn't get producing credits for because I think it's like women weren't really credited credited as much in producing, at least in like the 70s. Yeah. So it's interesting that like you can you can find online that her company produced not produced nine to five and on Golden Pond and like a few other films that aren't as well known. But I'm sure that she's produced more than that and just hasn't gotten credit for for it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, workout video, make money, do good. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. It's funny because talking about Jane Fonda, like I said before, like my mom swears up and down that she hates Jane Fonda, right? Um, But she loves 9 to 5, and I know that she had the video. Um, So it's kind of... It's kind of an interesting experience to discuss her with, with mm-hmm. like my mom in particular, but just in general, because um, she, uh, I don't know, she's she's so politically active, mm-hmm. but it started off in um, in a way that I guess the modern day correlation would be like if she was a man- member of Antifa like right. she was so far left um, mm-hmm. and she was so uh, like granted some of the stuff that she did was probably was 
not even probably like it was kind of shady and definitely crossed lines at certain points but she was vilified so heavily that it's never left her like Mm -hmm. ever um and i think uh, like i just think that that's kind of crazy like i i don't know if it's like a like like a sexism thing like this beautiful hollywood starlet who's been like whose father is a beloved actor um because she came out so forcefully against the vietnam war um Mm -hmm. we're just going to destroy her forever and ever you know like she's the poster child for um for the left even now. Um, and she's proud of that, which like great. Um, but I mean, you, you've got all of these memes that are still going around 50 years later, um, Mm -hmm. you know, claiming that she, uh, uh, ignored POWs letters home and pleas to, to be released and things like that. And she, you know, it's proven that that's not true, but, it's still trotted out every time she comes out against a a particular political cause. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She, she supported the black Panthers, opposed Vietnam war, opposed Iraq war. She still works to help victims of sexual abuse and supports women's rights. And we see even in the last couple of years, she's been arrested at the white house, uh, for protesting climate change. So like she is very active and that's certainly, uh, big factor in like who she is uh, but it, it is interesting that I feel like culture culturally it's easy to go okay that person is an activist who is really famous so we're gonna pin a lot of other things to that person just because it's almost like they're treated like a monolith when when they're not mm-hmm. but I, it's cool that she well, she's had missteps along the way, but I think it's cool that she has kind of stuck to the, like, I'm going to try my best to do what I believe is best and, and support causes I believe in and, and voice my dissent of causes I don't believe in. Right. I think that's admirable, especially knowing, like, because she's been in the <laughs> in the tabloids and, like, just, like, everyone's radar for... 80 years now I think it's great that she's like she hasn't become reclusive because it's it's just too much she just keeps going yeah and she doesn't shy away from you know knowing what her mistakes were like Mm -hmm. she gets there's like a huge um you know viral thing where she and Megan McCain got into it you know at a certain point because she doesn't like she didn't support troops during Vietnam war um but i but i do think that it she she doesn't like i said she doesn't shy away um from acknowledging the mistakes that she made she doesn't apologize for her beliefs but she knows where she screwed up and and she's willing to say she's sorry for those things which is a lot more than a lot of people can say right now <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i feel like um especially right now i i see a lot of people doing things 
of people, meaning celebrities, who are behaving in certain ways and like putting out statements because they're afraid that people will cancel them. Mm-hmm. But maybe they should model themselves after Jane Fonda and be like, listen, I made an error. That's my bad. I'm sorry. And we can move on. But because people like to pretend like, oh, you're you're misconstruing what I said or at the time it was okay, so I'm defending it. You know, it's like, just just say you made a mistake. It's all right. Right. <laughs> we'll respect you more if you're just like, yeah, that's my bad. Yep. Anything else on um, Jane Fonda before we talk about these two besties together? Uh... No, I just can't wait to talk about 9 to 5 because yes, that is do absolutely one of my favorite movies. Well, first let's say how Lily and Jane met and then we can okay. spend as much time as we want gushing about 9 to 5 and how good it is. Awesome. <laughs> um, so in doing the research, it's kind of fun to see like them interviewed together and then them interviewed separately and how they talk about their friendship. And Lily said that she saw Jane Fonda in the 1971 film Clute. And she's like, I had a clute hairdo for two years. I just fell madly for Jane Fonda. And I looked up the haircut and it is a mullet. (laughs) So then I'm like, all right, Lily Tomlin had a mullet for a few years. Got it. Um, But they didn't meet until the late 1970s when uh, Lily Tomlin had her Broadway show appearing nightly. And Jane Fonda was like, wow, she's so funny. She should be a nine to five. And from what I read, Lily was like, nah, like, I don't know that I want to be in this movie. I'm not really sure, like, it's for me because I think she's trying to do more serious roles. And because she, yeah, because she had 1975 Nashville and then a few years later she gets, like, this female comedy offer and it's like, (laughs) you know, I don't know that that's the route I want to go down. And I saw in an interview she was like, It was, like, the first couple of days of filming, and she goes, oh, no, like, this is going so badly. I'm not sure that I want to keep doing it. And then here we are, 40 years later, still in love with the movie because of her Jane Fonda and Dolly Parton. Right. So good. Yeah. It's funny that, like, going a little bit backwards, um, you're talking about the haircut. Um, do you remember watching Tuva Bien in film history class? No. Oh, it's the movie she did with Jean-Luc Godard. Um, and she has that cut during the whole movie. It's that um, um, the French New Wave movie with the um, uh, strike, the union, like the unionization, the French spring or whatever it was called. No, I can't remember what it was called, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That would make sense because if the movie, if Clute uh, comes out in 1971, Tuva Bien comes out in 1972. So, makes sense. It's still, it's still the yeah. look. Yeah, but I mean that that yeah, just kind of like keeping in line with like her film roles always kind of kept in line for the most part with her activism and the and the mm-hmm. causes she believes in. And sorry, I total backtrack it was just like say remembering like the the, her in black and white in those framed still shots with with the mullet like (laughs) you know i think like when i see younger photos of her i go oh yeah that's definitely her but i think because i'm so used to seeing her older that when i see her younger and things it doesn't always click immediately that it's the same person yeah 
but <laughs> definitely her. Yeah. Into Vavian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to give us the the synopsis or premise of Nine to Five? Yes, because <laughs> I could do this by memory. <laughs> uh, so Jane Fonda plays a woman whose husband left her for his secretary. Um, so she is uh, she has gotten a job as a secretary. Um, I have uh, to this day I have no idea what products this company actually makes. <laughs> Um, but she is kind of a fish out of water and she meets these two women, uh, Dolly Parton's character, who is, uh, Mr. Hart's secretary, the evil chauvinistic sexist boss. Um, and of course, Dolly Parton being, you know, the voluptuous Dolly Parton, she is, you know, she is the office slut, according to the, the other co-workers, uh, even though she's like the nicest person on the planet. Uh, and then you've got Lily Tomlin's character, who is, for all intents and purposes, the boss. Uh, she's got all the good ideas. She's the one that everybody goes to. Um, but she is demeaned in every possible way by the boss and all of her ideas are stolen. Um, so it's just a love letter to, you know, all the overworked, underappreciated female workers of the corporate world. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's, it's a cool film because it has like each lead has a very distinctive character personality and they are not the same right and even like they have to overcome their their like beliefs about dolly parton's character because you know they assume because the because she's hot that she's working with the boss that she's sleeping with the boss and i think like that's a nice thing to see that it's like okay we can actually work together and overcome our differences Mm-hmm. And in order, and by doing so, overthrow like this ch- chauvinistic boss. Yeah. In the most dramatic of ways. <laughs> they have a very specific phrase for it, like in the movie, and they repeat it several times, and it's just the best thing ever. And now all of a sudden I'm blanking. But <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember either. But the film, so I saw it for the first time, I think last year, or maybe two years ago. And I was not expecting what had happened. So, like, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, they kidnap their boss and tie him up. And there's, like, (laughs) hijinks with the hospital because they think they've poisoned him. And and then there's, like, a cartoon bird. (laughs) Like, Lily Tomlin suddenly becomes Snow White. (laughs) Yeah. And then they, like, Because they're high on pot. They're high on marijuana. (laughs) It's so funny. Yeah. I was not expecting like the action element of the movie at all. I was expecting it to be like only set in the world of the office, but they break free of the office and go on all these twists and turns to to take over. It's it's very good. Yeah. And it's still so relevant. It's it's kind of upsetting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep, like we read constantly how Women are still underpaid, and yep. their ideas are still being stolen. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's this line towards the end where, um, uh, like, 
it's going to be spoiler alert, sorry, but the Mr. Hart, the boss, is talking to um, his Colonel Sanders, like, bigger boss. Um, and the bigger boss goes, um, but this equal pay thing, uh, that's got to go. That's a step too far. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. What What is cool, though, so they, like, kidnap him and tie him up, and then Lily Jane and Dolly's characters run the office in his absence and just pretend he's around. And the workplace becomes, like, the alcoholic stops drinking. They now have um, uh, Shared positions. Yeah. Yeah. Daycare. Yeah. So all of the things, yeah, all of the things that employees need to be a productive environment and for women to thrive in this type of environment they establish all of these rules and that attracts the attention of the bigger boss which Mm -hmm. is the eventual downfall of mr hart which Mm -hmm. and it's so amazing (laughs) it really is i think it's cool that it's like it's still something that uh parents fight for now is like just paid family leave not just for the mother but the father also and yes daycare is still an issue that families face when they work and so it is it feels like it was very um ahead of the game for the time it came out but I don't think that's necessarily the case I think it's just that like we're still behind because it's still a conversation we have to have right yeah it's wild but but yeah work morale goes up so much that the big wig boss is like, oh, wow, productivity's higher, people are happier, like, what's going on? Yeah, right? (laughs) And he gets, he gets kidnapped by pygmies at the end because he tries to take credit, and it's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I like that he tried to take, he still tries to take credit to the, to the very end. Like, has, he hasn't learned his lesson. Yep. Yeah. Wow. That's such a good movie. Definitely recommend it. Just in terms of like, it's a comedic masterpiece, but also because the message is still unfortunately relevant. Yeah. (laughs) And just all three of the, uh, like, it's funny listening to Jane Fauna talk about how she cast the film because she had, like, she, she saw... She saw Lily performing on Broadway and was like, I absolutely have to have her. And then on the way home, she's listening to the radio and here's Dolly Parton. And of course, like immediately when you think of Dolly Parton, you think of like the corset and the boobs because that's just who she is. Um, And she owns it. But yeah. um, but like that, like it immediately became perfect casting for her because she could play with that. She, you know, mm-hmm. a woman who owns her sexuality um, doesn't have to be sleeping with the boss. You know, you don't have to play into that cliche. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it's nice that they did that with the writing that they didn't put her character in the box. A hundred percent. It's like we're we'll allude to it and pretend that that's the way it is, and then the character Dolly plays will reveal to you that that's not the case at all. So, right. So you do. Think She's like, being. Oh, 
of course she she she's the office hoe and then you find out she's not she's the one being sexually harassed yeah right yeah it's like she's not you know she's not part of this she's just unfortunately harassed like a lot of women in offices are right yeah yep <laughs> we're like no shock there i think part of like why this film was so awesome when i watched it for the first time is because it it ends so well and you're like yes overthrow <laughs> you know like male bosses it riled me up i was like yes so good <laughs> yeah um anything else on nine to five besides like urging everyone to watch it watch it watch it watch it yeah. <laughs> i think one thing that surprised me in doing this research i had assumed somehow that since nine to five went so well that they would have done a lot of movies together before grace and frankie and so like i yeah. just had it in my head that that was what had happened and find out they didn't act in anything else together until grace and frankie hit netflix and i was like wait but they have such great chemistry like I know. Why, why did they not do a buddy comedy or something in the 80s or the 90s? That was a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. But I did make a note of, like, maybe that's why their friendship has lasted so long. Because if you're working 12 to 14 hour days together a lot, you're you're going to find some tension that you might not find otherwise. So Right. <laughs> It's possible that they've been able to avoid some just exhausted, irritable fights, you know, based on nothing. Right. Because they're they're not just all up in each other's lives every day, <laughs> all day. Because, I mean, I know from working on set, it's like, I may like you 95% of the time, but if you, like, ask me one question one too many times now... Now I don't want to talk to you because, <laughs> because like, I'm tired, and, you know, and you're just over it. Right, yeah. yeah. You're like, I just give me, like, a timeout and, and everything will be fine. I think that's probably where 95% of the these two main characters hate each other rumors come from. <laughs> right. Just someone snapped at the other. Yeah. It's like, they'll get over it. <laughs> But I one thing I do like about Grace and Frankie, I don't think the show is necessarily perfect, but I do like to see older people being allowed to be kind of like gross and real and mm-hmm. explore their sexuality, you know, and and like be more human and not just like this is like my grandfather and sometimes he says ornery things and it's funny. Right. But yeah. they're they're developed and they just happen to be old. Yeah. They're actual, like, the, the way that it's, the, the characters should be, they're actual human beings. Yeah, I don't know why. Well, I know why, but we're, we're lazy writers. But it, it's nice to see when characters are fully developed. Right. Yeah. 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 But it's fun. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the episode, like, watching their interviews together just bring you so much joy. Oh, absolutely. So good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to watch more Grace and Frankie. I've only seen a couple of episodes. Like the um like the one that I'm thinking of is the one where Jane Fonda's character um is like 
trying to be beautiful for a date um and like that's kind of going back to what you're talking about how older people are allowed to just be real and just like you know lily tomlin's character is talking about like a busted hip and (laughs) like limited mobility and Mm. you know wearing spanks and like fake eyelashes and yeah, what it's like to, like, get dolled up. I think um, Jane Fonda's character, Grace, like, is, you see her, like, pu- putting in or taking out her extensions, mm-hmm. um, which is, it's nice. It's like, you don't, you don't really think about that and what it must be like dating as an older woman. Right, yeah. Yeah. But it's cool. I, I like it. They, I think they're definitely more of, like, they have the odd couple vibe in the show because Jane's character is, like, um, more business-minded, very focused, drinks a lot of whiskey, uh, not whiskey, drinks a lot of vodka, I think, martinis, <laughs> um, but is, like, more straight-laced and not not carefree at all. And then Lily's character is, like, this very carefree, hippie, painter, <laughs> go-with-the-flow type thing. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely, I think, yeah. feels like the odd couple. Yeah. And because they know each other so well, I think that it's kind of like a shortcut for their characters. I think that plays a huge part of of the chemistry of the show. Like, I, I as much as, like, we're talking about how awesome it is to have fully developed, like, older characters. Like, I don't know that it would have the same effect if you just randomly threw two leads in together. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, They have chemistry that predates the show. Right. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. They can, they can lend that to the roles, I think, mm-hmm. a little bit. Like, so, um, my brain is foggy. The the <laughs> husbands, the 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 two, the former husbands that like fell in love with each other. Um, yes, former husbands like, now lovers. <laughs> yeah, like their chemistry doesn't seem to be the like on the same level. Like that's mm-hmm. almost. Like, I feel like they kind of almost relegate that to a side story because, like, like I said, it's just, there's just something about these two women who've known each other for so long and it, like, plays into the show. It's evident in the show. And I think that that's why people respond so, so much to it, aside from, you know, the great writing. (laughs) Yeah, I think it does seem like they could not write it write their parts at all and we'd still be like they're hilarious like they could be ad-libbing the whole time and the plot makes no sense and we'd be like they're just so funny together that was great that was a good 20 minutes right yeah yeah it's a good show i like it for sure oh yeah and that ted talk they did on friendship was so funny (laughs) because they're basically just like like jane is definitely playing the characters in their show because Jane's trying to ask answer the interviewers' questions honestly, and Lily's there just kind of like goofing off and interrupting yeah. her, and, and 
and distracting her from her train of thought. It was very funny. It's like, uh, they seem to being... do that just like in every, every day, like conversations. Mm-hmm. They do that a lot in the interviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you can definitely see that the writers of Grace and Frankie are modeling their characters after how they already interact, which, like you said, makes it feel more, I guess, like honest. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Lily Tomlin. I almost said Lily Fonda and Jane Tomlin. Like my my brain got well. so scrambled. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're forty year fifty year? Forty year friendship now. Still mm-hmm. going strong. Yeah. See, I women can't be friends. Yes, I was going to say <laughs> the final thing I wanted to mention was that it's just really nice that we can see two women in the industry who really build each other up and support each other. Mm-hmm. I think that is something that has been on the rise the past few years in the industry where you see more actors and actresses supporting each other. Right. But I don't think that that has always been the norm. I feel like pre-2015, you would see a lot more like, this person said this about that person. Right. And I think that there's still a lot of that. I just uh, don't watch e-news, so I don't really care. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) And, like, I don't read the tabloids in the grocery line as much anymore. So maybe maybe it happens just as much, and the content I follow is just more positive. So I'm like, things are changing in the world, but it's possible (laughs) they're not changing at all. (laughs) But I just think they are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Find yourself a friendship like Jane and Lily have. That's Yes, absolutely. The moral of the story. Yeah. <laughs> Any final thoughts, Amanda? Uh, probably not. Except that these two women are awesome. And if you've never seen 9 to 5 or any of their other work, it's definitely worth checking out. So... Yeah, I agree. Mind to Five's currently on Amazon Prime, but you have to rent it. Oh my gosh. And Big Business with Lily Tomlin. Oh, and, and um, Midler. Yes. <laughs> that was so good, also. I watched it shortly after I saw Nine to Five because I was like, well, now I have to watch everything Lily Tomlin has been in. Uh huh. That was so good. Man. I almost forgot about that movie. Oh. So good. You can also rent that on Prime. Yeah. But even though you've been on before, why don't you let everyone know, in case they didn't listen to the previous episode with you, where to find you on social media and what you're up to. Yeah, I am on Twitter and Instagram at at Waking Daydreams. If you want to see, you know, random pictures and occasional thoughts. I'm currently working on your next feature script. I am. Uh, fingers crossed it, uh, you know, ends up a movie someday. <laughs> yeah. <that laughs> and cool. you you and another random person can, can analyze it and tell me what I did wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, remember, we're in the business of building each other up here, so. Okay. I'll analyze what you did right. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you.